0: Well, good morning, Community Church, and those that are online. Bless you. Thanks for joining us today. This is the day that the Lord has made, so we will rejoice and be glad in it. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, we, we don't sing that old chorus any longer, but we used to sing it all the time. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Well, you know what? That's not just a nice imagery. That is a reality that when we are worshiping God, we are literally drawing near to the atmosphere of his presence. And as we draw near to him, something comes into this room and you may be here today you may be thinking well i've been experiencing the lord this morning since i got up you know i'm good but maybe there are people next to you who are encumbered by spiritual warfare beyond what what you can imagine and what if your worship could make a way for them what if our worship as a church could give power to the evangelism arm of the church that's going out into our community this week? What if there was an ability to transcend time and space and release the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven into homes and into the streets of our community by what we're doing today? Hallelujah. Let's worship Him because He deserves it but because the world needs
1: to see who he is you know while we're singing this i saw this it's like a river of grace that's the best way i can describe it just a river uh, flowing through kind of through the all of us take your burden your need your problem and just kind of put it into the river and it just floats down and flows and flows and it's gone see yourself Visually see yourself putting that need, that problem, that worry, that stress. And just, I put it into the river, Lord, the river of grace. It has nothing to do whether you deserve it or not. But just put it in. And as you just worship the Lord, it's just going to float downstream and it never comes back up. So just visualize it right now because it's a grace from the heaven, from the throne of God. It's a grace, that's saying, for you right now. But we need to purposefully do it.
0: You know, just a few minutes ago, Cam was sharing me something he felt and saw. You know, sometimes, sometimes we allow ourselves to become victims. Sometimes we, we settle into the powerlessness of it, and we kind of hope God is going to do something. And you know what? He is, but part of what he wants to do is to empower you. And just this week, we had one of our grandsons over who happens to be the youngest. (laughs) And uh, when he says, man, I, I can't believe what he's not doing. It's because he's the youngest. Everybody's doing everything for him. He's so cute. He's so sweet. Everybody's cutting his toes. Everybody's tying his shoes. Everybody's doing up his zipper. Like, you know, he's asking to do things that the oldest would have done three years ago. And that's kind of like us, except God camps over this journey. And he knows what you are able to do. And he won't let you get away with being dependent when he's calling you to step forward. And so there's atmospheres, there's things within reach of our faith that in past times God just gave us because we were unable to reach. We were unable to believe beyond a certain threshold. But today we stand in a different place. And today he doesn't visit us as easily as it came before. Today he's saying, no, if you seek me... If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. What I did yesterday, I did because you, your faith was weak. And I had compassion on you. But my compassion has taken a different form. I won't leave you subject to all the forces of the kingdom of darkness. I want to create in you the confidence to know that in your sound, in your voice, in your walk is achievable dynamics of the kingdom of God, the presence of the Lord, the breakthrough is available for you. And so if it's not coming easy, lean in. If there's a fog around you, speak to the fog and say, no, I believe, I believe, I believe. The promise says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I don't care what feelings I have right now. God is near He said he's near. I believe he's near. I'm going to live like he's near. I'm going to talk like he's near. Take that. Take that. Obfuscating clouds of darkness. Take that. I believe today. I believe. God of miracles is here in my house. He is here around me. He is inside of me. So we say in Jesus' name. To those powers of darkness that would try to steal what God has given. We say no. No in Jesus' name. No. No in Jesus' name. No in Jesus' name. No. No. No, oh, no in Jesus name. No in Jesus name. No in Jesus name. No in Jesus name. The kingdom of God is here. Come alive. Come alive. you have need of healing in your body if you have pain if you have chronic debilitating issues in your joints in your back in your body in jesus name healing is right here right here right here i say be healed in the name of jesus be healed in the name of jesus So Father, we say today, thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you that you have released to us the powers of the age to come. In just a few minutes I'm gonna be sharing a message, but I tell you what, I am I'm so excited. Because the last days might be characterized in some people's minds as a day of turmoil, a day of conflict, a day of problems. And there will be clashes of kingdoms. But I tell you what, it's a day of harvest. It's a day of maturity. It's a day of fullness. It's a day when the sons come into the maturity of their calling and their destiny. Imagine imagine the world filled with 2 million people with the same propensity the same capacity as Jesus when he walked the earth the same kind of faith the same kind of expectation the same healing ministry the same atmospheric presence the sun's coming of age is one of the signs of the end days when creation recognizes our time of deliverance is almost completely near hallelujah and you know what we're closer today than we were yesterday and no matter what it seems like in your life today is better than yesterday can you say amen hallelujah how's everybody doing today you know there's so many ways to represent the kingdom of God, and Jesus did that, you know, with parables. He said, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. And his, his attempt was to get people to believe, to participate in the kingdom, and that continues to be our challenge today, and so we enter into that in degrees, we enter into that As we begin to believe. And so I want to read a passage and I'm going to share a few things about what I believe, or what I what the Bible calls is competing realities. You know, one day it says that the sky is going to be torn open and going to roll back like a scroll, and the world where God lives right now is going to overwhelm what we have seen, felt, and touched for the entirety of our lives. And in that moment, we're going to see what's real and what's not. What's permanent and what was scaffolding. And let me tell you, everything you see, feel, and touch right now is scaffolding. And it's about to give way to what is real. That what we're, what's happening as we move towards the last day, the moment when, when that breach is realized by all of creation... We are feeling the weight of the inevitable reality of eternity pressing in on this realm in which we live. And so part of our challenge is, can you see what's coming? Can you feel what's coming? How real is it to you? And uh, and if it's not as real as it could be, what do you need to do for that to become real? You know, one of the... Uh, one of the things we run into all the time is there's some people that see and there's others that don't and and uh jesus said he said blessed are those who haven't seen yet still believe and so you may be sitting here and thinking well once i get whatever that guy says he has then i'll believe more but actually it all starts with faith a decision to believe so Uh, Father, we pray today that you would make clear to us this trajectory that we are on from the day that we were born again, from the day that you initiated the spark of eternal life inside of us by putting the seed of your son Jesus inside of us. God, we say, Father, show us uh, what, what that is leading us to. Lord, overwhelm us with the reality that occupies the attention of heaven at this moment. We pray in Jesus' name. So, uh, there's so many scriptures we can look at, but there's a great one. Uh, I, you know, I get so caught up because I, I start reading these scriptures. I think, oh, I'd like to read that one. Oh, I, I should read the one before, and I should read the one before that. And that's, the one before that's great too. So at some point, I, I just had to decide to cut it off. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, it says, So then death is working in us and life in you. Now, let me give you the, the context because the t- context mirrors what I've been telling you for 20 years. <laughs> the context is this. He's trying to let them know, the, the believers, that there's power inside of them. He's trying to let them know that there's inexpressible glory inside of them. And that, that, that power is the power of the kingdom of heaven. And that's an, it's an unsearchable wealth of rich, riches, and it's inside of them. He's trying to say, hey, guys, if you could only see what's already right there in front of you. And once you really begin to see it, then it begins to break out and has a, a gradually increasing influence on your world around you. But he says, but here's the deal. Our role as a apostolic leaders is we are paving the way for you, and the way we're paving for you to increase is by embracing death so that you can have life. That's the nature of what it means to be a parent, right? How many parents have given up sleep in order to facilitate sleep for your children, right? How many of you, how many moms have had cold meals in order that your kids would have hot ones, (laughs) right? Right? You know, how many, how many parents have foregone wonderful Stop. vacations, yeah. <laughs> wonderful vacations that would center around your, your interests, your desires, your fulfillment in order to go to Disneyland to vicariously experience the joy of watching your kids have joy, right? right? So this is the nature of what it means to be the grown-ups in the room. This is the nature of what it means to be apostolic. This is the nature of what it means to be leaders, pastors, uh, uh, mature people, elders in the body of Christ. We make a way for others by delaying our own gratification in order that others would have something that would enable them to believe more happily so that one day they can lay down their lives as well. (laughs) And, And that's the goal. Oh, that reminds me of a whole teaching, but we'll leave it for now. But this is what he's saying. So we're doing this for you. We're we're laying our lives down for you so that you can come into something. Right. And so then he goes he keeps saying and, and I man, there's so much so much meaning in these verses. I pray that the spirit of revelation that's in the word of God would come over you. That, you know, that, that attack on your mind that's trying to steal the wonder of the word of God, that is a demonic attack to, to get you to presumptuously believe that you understand what's already there. But I tell you what, there's mystery upon mystery folded. There's a convoluted hiddenness to the treasure that's there that just goes layers and layers and layers deeper. It's beautiful stuff. But the next verse says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Have we ever talked about this? Right? The importance of believing and speaking. The manifestation of the kingdom, right, it happens because somebody in the room is believing and then they're speaking. The atmosphere of the Spirit of God, the kingdom of heaven, the the change of what it feels like in this room throughout a morning of worship, it changes because somebody's speaking out of belief. Somebody's speaking out of... They're releasing a spirit of faith, and that spirit of faith is accomplishing a miracle in the room. It is causing what is invisible to become tangible. That's ha- that happens every time we gather, but who does that? Not the ones who don't believe, not the, the ones that are, you know, under the weight of this world. They're like, they're despondent, waiting, like, God, I hope you do something this morning. Yeah. But there's others who feel the same way, but believe, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it must be easy for you as a pastor, you know, get up every morning. Oh, you know, I guess you should do it. You get paid to do it, right? <laughs> there should be some incentive there. The people in this room, right, who make a way for us do so because they believe and therefore they speak. And then begins the miracle. The inconceivable begins to manifest in the room. Ah, oh, man, I could talk about that a lot. But uh, I'm trying to keep myself on track here. So many beautiful things. Uh, so, again, we're on our way to, towards something, Knowing that he who raised, so they speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So this is what he's this is our long term plan. We're gonna create thanksgiving in you to the glory of God, and that you will be able to begin to do the same thing that we're doing. So then he get we get to sixteen. And sixteen again is beautiful, therefore, we do not lose heart. oh, hallelujah, therefore, we do not lose heart. what you mean there's a way that I could never lose heart there's a way that I could never be overwhelmed with discouragement to the to the place where where I would leave the church, quit my family, commit suicide, you know, vacate all my responsibilities, there's there's a place that I can have that, like on purpose? Yes, on purpose. You could have that. It's, it's amazing. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being re- renewed day by day. Now, I don't know what elements of the outward man perishing that Paul was referring to at that time, but I can tell you as a 60 years old, I am living evidence, as are you, that something is perishing, something is diminishing, but he says, even though the outward man, even though the natural man is getting, as my grandson said the other day, wrinkly, (laughs) you're wrinkly, (laughs) thanks Micah. (laughs) <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> I never, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, right, there, there is a diminishing, but Paul's saying, listen, that may be what's happening to me on the outside, but there's something that does not ever turn around. See, when you're born and you grow up physically and you get to the apex of your your abilities intellectually, emotionally, physically, then things start to, you turn that corner at about, you know, 37. And things from that point, they start to go down. No, not, not dramatically. Not dramatically at first. <laughs> but, you know, you, you start heading for home after that. And and that's that's the life and death cycle in the natural. But here's what he says. He says spiritually it's not so. That actually there there's no retirement. There's no dwindling off. There's no diminishing at the end of your life. The trajectory you should have is increasing volume of faith and power and capacity. That that's the reality of what's going on inside. Now because of the reality of what's going on outside, you know, you, your role might change. You know, the day's going to come where my role's going to change. I will be the one clapping and hooting and hollering when others are speaking and, and supporting that next generation. And, all, and my faith will be working harder than my voice, yeah. and my, than my body, than my ministry. So, and that that's a reality that's coming, and I, I understand that. But... Despite that, something is happening on the inside, and this is how Paul describes it. He says, I'm being renewed day by day for our light affliction, light affliction. Let's let's just pause that. You know what he's talking about light affliction? He says, we were many times hungry and cold, beaten, imprisoned, persecuted, and hated. Okay? Listen. You know, maybe not getting the parking spot, your favorite one, might seem like a great affliction. It's not. <laughs> right? Man, the temperature in here is not exactly what it should be. Man, I wish this church would fix the temperature. And what's with the volume? A well, volume's always bugging my ears. Like, come on. This is the is that the light affliction you're talking about? God, this is not light affliction. It's painful to my ears. Right? It's all light affliction. None of us were ever crucified. None of us were ever imprisoned for our faith in this room. None of us likely were beaten because we're a Christian. Maybe because we were a jerk one time or two. (laughs) I don't know. So he says, Listen, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. A far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Woo! Something's growing inside of me. Woo. The next verse. And this is, this is the, I'm heading towards the end here. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I, I, I love that verse. I remember actually being in Bible college at Christ for the Nations back in 1982 and an evangelist came from Trinidad he had a really peculiar accent, accent. And, I, and I remember his raspy voice ringing out in the room and he, he just said it over and over. There's a seen world and an unseen world. <laughs> I just love it. There's a seen world I mean, he must have said it 50 times that morning, in an unseen world. But I tell you what, that revelation, it, it, it planted something inside of me that day. And I remember that even to this day, the, the effects of that word continue to produce dividends. Because my whole being, I want to see the unseen world. I want to interact with the invisible realm. I want, my, I want my eyes, I want my hope, I want my future. I want the, the possibilities that God is being put before me, not to be determined by what I see, but by what I don't see. But what I, is available to be seen through faith. See, that's that's this thing that we're on. Well, that's this direction that we are going. Yes. And so, let me get back there. There's another line. He says, he says, let me let me quickly read this other. Yeah, I'll read the first six verses of chapter five, because they're also good. And then I'll talk about what I wanted to talk about. For you know that if our earthly house is tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. Do you know that? for we know we have this assurance like he said yeah if i if i'm if i'm not here i'm present with the lord i absolutely know that i know that i know that in the same way i know that if i drink some of this water there'll be less in the glass or in the bottle you know i know that if i am die if i lose this body i'm present with the lord i mean again well how do you know for sure you, I was in Bible college being taught by somebody. She was teaching Hebrew at uh, this college I was, te- I was at, and she was talking about not being sure if she was saved. I remember thinking, how can you not, What? You're teaching at Bible college. How can you not know? How can you not be sure? Doesn't his spirit witness with your spirit that you are a child of the living God? Like, don't you have that? You know, I understand being like, you know, when you're first born again, and the faith isn't really there. And I can't remember the day that I crossed over that particular threshold where I stopped asking Jesus into my heart. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I just, I just, it was done. I just knew, no, 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 I I, I am born again. And, and this is not a, a present state that just dissolves and is gone tomorrow. This is a part of my continuous existence. I am confident of this. So he says... Once this tent is destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made in the heavens, uh, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, man, there's a lot in here. Listen to this next verse. Let this challenge you. For in this we groan. Say we groan. groan. Okay, look, look, look to your left. Say you groan. groan. Look to your right. (laughs) Say you groan. (laughs) Did everybody look to their right? I saw one person who didn't look to their right. You guys getting along? (laughs) Come on, let's get along. In this we groan, and this is a powerful thing, and I don't talk about it enough, but there is something working at you in the same way, you know, those plants in your house or that grass that you have, it's always growing. And you can't hear the sound of that growth. But there, there's activity happening on a cellular level. I don't know what sound cellular noises are. They're below, below the threshold of my capacity to hear. But anything that moves, anything that is active in the natural realm creates what vibrations. And those vibrations is what sound is. So uh, at some level, at some level, everything that's, 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 uh, that's growing is making a sound. And he said, the sound of your spiritual development is a groan. Wow. That there's a there's a turmoil, there's a there's an activity underneath, inside of you. Wow. And part of the teaching of this is if you go to Romans eight, you can accelerate that by actually entering into the groan. You can express with your with your voice and with your sound the essence of that groan guttural development that is the growth of your, your spiritual life wow, true. think about it you've got glory inside of you that's growing in power and you can hasten its development or slow it down oh I, I thought we just you know we hope it happens <laughs> no obedience right I believe therefore I speak Victory's near you even in your mouth I know you've never heard this before but <laughs> So he says, uh, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is an... There's an eager, there's a hunger. You know, when you... What, do you ever groan before you eat a hamburger? You know, when you're... There's hunger in there, like... Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow, the juices are already flowing. <laughs> So we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed. We're anticipating, we're looking, we're desiring. There's, there's a whole activity going on here as we're moving towards this habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we should not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groaned, groaned, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. So the appetite of that grown inside of you is, I want more life. I need more life. And uh, Paul is basically saying, hey, do you feel the movement of that hunger? Are you aware of it? Do you know that it, the, 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 the cycles of life are pulsating inside of you, leading to greater and greater resurrection powers? We, go, we are going from glory to glory. But underneath that, that process is, or underneath that activity is a process that's going on that you can be involved with. Anyway, I wasn't meaning to talk about that. Except to say this He says, He who has pre- pre- prepared us for this thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm just going to stop right there. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. There is a seeing which comes from a spiritual vision that God means to give you. And we don't all have it in the same measures. I'm not, for example, a seer. I know people who are seers. I know people who have had open visions. And an open vision is where you're standing there, and all of a sudden this world disappears and you are seeing. You're not sure. You know, Paul says this. He says, I don't know whether... I I, I know a man who was taken up to the third heaven. You know, he didn't know whether he actually physically was there or it was just, you know, uh, a, a spiritual revelation. So I don't know whether I, my body disappeared from where I was and I'm there, or if I was present in both places at the same time. I don't know. I've never had that happen. When I say I see something, I see it in my mind's eye. You know what? I'd like to have the other. I'd like to be caught up to heaven. That'd be... That's a, it's in my bucket list. You know, and not after death. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so here's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> See, I've got a little time left. It's this, that all, not all prisons have gates and bars. Not all, not all prisons are, are made of iron and wood and chains and chain link fences and, and uh, razor wire and these kinds of things. That there are other kinds of systems of containment that we are fighting that we are facing and this whole battle that you have your entire journey is a contending for a divine reality that presently is clearly around God God is spirit and his his existence consists of the material that is spirit not natural not physical but spirit is tangible Spirit is changeable. It's, you know, just because it's wispy and whimsical and, you know, clouds, opaqueness to us right now doesn't mean that's what it actually is. In fact, the Bible says it's so concrete, the spirit realm, that it's the foundation on which everything you see, feel, and touch is made. And not only that, that, this building and the components that make up the molecules and everything that causes us to, to see, feel, and interact with creation is sustained by the invisible word of Jesus Christ. But by the word of his power, he holds these things in place. And so this, myth, this mythical world that we live in that is temporary is being held together by the real world. That's what the gospel is, is based upon. And it's saying, listen, that, that world that is real, you can interact with. And you can interact with it in such a way that it begins you to, to convince you, you begin to realize that this present world is the, is the one that is iffy. This is the one that's already passing away. This is the one that's diminishing. And that's what death is. Death is coming to the end. In the same way, my life, you know, my physical body, my life, the trajectory of it, I'm in, you know, the last quarter. I'm in the last quarter of my life. I understand that. Well, the creation is in the last tenth of its existence. Then it's heading towards something, but the reality is there's another reality. The truth is there's another existence that's beyond that. And what we're given in eternal life is the capacity to connect to that. But not later, now. Not when we die, but right now. And so God has awakened your spirit so that that can be real to you. He is giving you a capacity to interface. You understand what I mean by that? How many of you have gone to the World Wide Web? Oh, yeah. You didn't even know it was called the World WWW. Web. World Wide Web, right? It's like, how many of you have you have been in there? How many of you have actually gone there? You know, what is that movie where they got into a video game? You know, Tron, right? Where they go into a video game. Well, you didn't do that. What you did was you interacted with an interface that connected to that world. All right? In this case, that interface is your computer or your smartphone or something like that. That's what gives you the ability to interact with that world. If you go to the middle of the jungle of New Guinea and ask the average uh, person populating that part of the world... If they have a smartphone and if they've ever been to the World Wide Web, unlikely. Well, who knows these days? (laughs) Right? Right? Who knows where smartphones have made it? But the the point is this, is that world, it, it exists, but it has to be interacted with in a certain way. And God is saying, listen, I have a world that I've called you to. And and I'm not saying, hey, when you die, you get to interact with it. I'm saying, no, no, right now. As he is in this world, so are we, John says. And so, how's that going for you? How is that? Which world is defining reality for you today? Which one is caving down? Which one occupies the attention of your emotions? Which one uh, causes you to think in a particular direction? Are you more heavenly minded today or anxious about this present realm? See, the prison that we are limited by is is the prison of this natural world, which the enemy is trying to convince us this is all there is. There is nothing beyond this. So it's been kind of interesting to me, for me to watch these recent sci-fi movies that are out there, you know, the X-Men and Spider-Man and superhero ones. And there's all kinds of supernatural things that what's happening is, is they're bridging some of the conceptual ideas of two dimensions. And so they're talking about these things all the time, you know, about quantum worlds and, you know, infinite numbers of, of like, you know, worlds operating in parallel to, to one another. Well, listen, I don't care what they speculate about it. there's there's only two real realities one is God's reality the other one is the one we're looking at right now and these realities are converging and in the end there can only be one in the end there can, one will stand and the other will diminish and where you've put your chips will determine whether you're happy or sad at the demise of the one or the other but basically we are contending for the manifestation of the invisible realm. That's what we're doing all the time. When you're evangelizing, you're trying to let somebody know not just the facts that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died, but there is a world, a reality, that can impose upon this present reality. Miracle signs and wonders are about that. But before even miracle signs and wonders, atmosphere, atmosphere, atmospheres... Determine what realm is manifesting. Right. I was thinking about it this morning as we were singing. And um, we, uh, it was about halfway through the third or fourth song where you begin to feel the heavenly atmosphere imposing itself on the natural. You notice that? I don't know. Maybe you didn't. But I always find it interesting to watch worship services. Ben yes. uh, Ben also. <laughs> uh, and I, I I love it when he responds. So you know, feel free to respond as well. But but you know, when you're when you're singing songs, and I always I always think about this. Sometimes we're singing songs, and there's no coinciding atmosphere, and, and it's like uh, I you know I just find it so hard to sing this song because sometimes uh, there is a process for us to release. That, that flavor of the presence of God that causes us to look. not See, we're always looking at the one world or the other. And the tyranny of this world is it's always grabbing your focus. So in worship, we're actually beginning to turn and get our focus. And the more of us in the room are actually looking at the eternal realm, the more the eternal realm starts to fill the room. The Bible calls it the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's the knowledge of the dominion that God rules over that is it it is dominant in heaven and will eventually once again be dominant in the earth and he's saying listen this is an atmosphere that is tied to the very essence of who God is that God being who he is defines the limitations and the powers and the rules of engagement everything related to that realm is not aside from God it emerges from God And so that's why the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is an atmosphere, which one day, he says, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And again, incidentally, when you got saved, according to 2 Corinthians 4, you were introduced to that knowledge of the glory of the Lord, that commodity, that that it surrounds the throne of God, that the angels are interacting with, and the four beasts are interacting with. That thing was a, a, a deposit of that was put inside of you, and you experienced eternity right then. Not just to oh oh I tasted that that'll be great when I live there. No no no, actually that reality can begin to become a continuous atmosphere in which you live. That you actually have the ability to create that awareness around you all the time and live there if you want to. So this is, this is what's happening is there's two realities. And the, the reality of the enemy, man, I'm not going fast enough here. The reality of the enemy's world is a tyrannical uh, weight around our necks that tries to keep us from envisioning and interacting with the real. And so we see this even in our services, where sometimes I go to a service and people are singing a song, and it's like, man, I'm listening to that song. I thought somebody wrote that because they were interacting with the realm that that song represents, but right now nobody in the room is interacting with that realm. We're just singing the songs, and and we're 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 substituting the manifestation of a realm with. Oh, that realm's speaking of peace it 's reflecting an atmosphere of peace well, we 'll just get quiet, <laughs> and quietness does not peace make right that these there 's actually fabric to that realm that when a song is written, it's conveying the reality of that. So when we're singing it, we're just not remembering that it exists. We're actually trying to interact with it so that the reality of that starts to invade the room so that others who are in the room who can't feel it, can't see it, can start to get a taste of it and say, hey, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Wow! And what if you could carry that realm with you, so that wherever you go, and people get around you, that something begins to get displaced in their in their understanding, and what you represent starts to get increasingly real yeah. to the point where I can't deny it—you are different. Yeah. 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 Good. This is the war that we're we're facing. You remember the movie, The Truman Show? Yeah. Anyway, it, when you think about it, it's, uh, it's not plausible. It's uh, highly illegal, by the way. <laughs> right, right? Very basic. The, the plot is this. They took this kid since he was a baby, and they put him in a false world. They created this massive, massive dome, dome, and they made a TV show about this kid, and everybody in his life were posers. Everybody in his life were actors. Every scenario was not real. He never actually left that dome. That's a, it's a significant-sized dome, but he never left it. But that that dome is giving him a false sense of the world in which he lives. And it's limiting his ability to experience anything beyond that system of containment. Well, this is what we're dealing with. We're always dealing with a system of containment that tells us this is all there is. There's nothing beyond this. And it is a tyrannical ugly wicked oppressive reality that steals from you the capacity for all joy and fulfillment as determined by God this is not the containment this is not the prison that God has designed for you in fact he's made provision for us to go outside the boundaries of that now I'm gonna have to close soon but but uh, but but here's the deal here's the deal we are experiencing Dimensions beyond that containment, in layers, in degrees, and so the question is, how far can we go? Yes. Like, what, what's what's next? What's beyond this? And what are the barriers inside of me that restrict my movement out of where I am to where I could be? What are the things that 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 happen? Well, let me give you an example. It's it's very. It's very normal in one sense. But freedom is one of those things. What if I said to you, you could have more freedom than you have right now? Of course, you know, we're going to say yes. Because we serve an eternal God, there's got to be more. Right? But there's a difference between intellectually, you know, making the deductive reasoning that says, well, God's an infinite God, I'm not infinite, there's a gap between what he knows and I know, what I can ex- so I can experience more. But that's not necessarily faith. Mental deduction and conclusion based on evidence is not faith. Right, right. Faith is something else. Faith sees. Faith sees. It becomes not vague, not just a, a possibility that I admit to, but a reality yes, right. that can begin to invade in my present expectations. Yes. It's concrete. It's real. Yes. But the truth is, the highest thing that I've ever experienced is how far my faith has gone. Your your experience cannot exceed your faith, and so we run into this barrier. Let me let me make an analogy. And I had a whole bunch of other examples of this thing. You know, Truman was one of them. Mysterio in the recent Batman, uh, Spider-Man movie, he had this ability to create alternate realities using this technology. Where people all of a sudden they're standing on a a brook, a, a, a bridge in Brooklyn. Next thing you know, they're in a dark cave surrounded by demons. Like, you know, the ability for another reality to be manifested around you to keep you from not knowing where you're really at. This is the kind of warfare that we're facing spiritually all the time. And God is saying, what I'm giving you is the truth. And you have the, you have the ability to create the truth, I mean to manifest the truth and cause others to see it. But do you really believe it? Or are you limited? How much are you limited? We try and get this into this really quick. I don't want to take too much time. But I was thinking about it here, and I may have said this before, but, but we have this block. We have this block. If I were to say to you, uh, anybody know a good plumber? Yeah, Jespersons? <laughs> yeah, all right. Now, admittedly, I would, I would say, yeah, the Jespersons boys seem to do, know what they're doing. But the truth is, I don't know what a good plumber is. All I know is that I recognize people who know more than me. But but beyond my knowledge, beyond my expertise in plumbing, which is very minimal, it's all murky. I have no idea in the plumbing world whether other plumbers would say, yeah, the, the Jespersons are good. I, I I would give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but the truth is, Whatever your musical expertise ends, everything beyond that is, I can't divide between bad or good or better. Musically, you know, you hear somebody singing, if they can sing significantly more than you, they're great, right? That's why you got all these kids, you know, whose moms tell them they're amazing. You should go on X Factor. Why? Because I don't know anything about singing, but you're a little bit beyond me. Well, when it comes to the spiritual realm, it gets a little more complex, but it's a similar thing that happens. When people are beyond you spiritually, you don't know whether it's real or not. You don't know whether... I mean, if somebody says something and it's beyond your knowledge, you have no way to determine whether it's true. It's like... And I had that literally happen as a young Christian. I was moving in some prophetic revelation and things, and all my, all my coworkers, my, my, my fellow students and whatnot, they, they weren't sure, you know, what to make of me. It's like, uh, I'm not sure. You know, it's like, I need to find somebody reputable who's saying the same thing. Then I'll accept what you say. Well, listen, there's this point in Matthew. and i will try and cut this quick. Matthew 19, verse 17 where this, the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus, and this is what he said to him. He says, "He says, good master, good master, good master, <laughs> how, must, how might I inherit eternal life? And you know the interchange. But at some point, verse 17 is the exact point, Jesus turns to him and says, why do you call me good? I mean, you're using a word, It presupposes some kind of expertise. You've assigned to me a commodity, a a capacity. I want to submit back to you, you know nothing about that capacity. That the reason he was saying, what do you know about good, is because only the Father is good. I've seen the Father, you haven't. You are ill-qualified to tell me whether I'm good or not. But that's beside the point. But... But a part of introducing us to a higher dimension of anything is subverting and diminishing the knowledge or the presumption of knowledge we presently have. If you actually want to go where you've never been, you have to start to realize what you have is not enough. And if that doesn't happen, you will stay exactly where you are. And that is the fight we are fighting as the church, as people, as born-again Christians. We've experienced a dimension of the kingdom of God and it's as compared to where we came from, it's more than we could have imagined possible. But because it's already beyond what we thought possible, it has formed the limit. It has formed the proverbial ceiling to where we can go. We really can't see other than by intellectual deduction, which can't bring us there. Intellectual deduction can open that there are possibilities of more, but faith or lack of faith does not allow it. And so when somebody, I I had it happen a little while ago. Some some person was introducing me to a a ministry, and this person had all kinds of prophetic visions, and, and I remember thinking, yeah, I'm not sure I believe that guy. I'm not sure I believe the hype about that guy. I don't know. It's beyond me. There's there's charlatans out there. There's fakers. There's guys always displaying more than, you know, trying to be a part of a exclusive group that has more than everybody else. There's always guys pretending. So I don't know if that guy's a pretender or not. Why? Because it's beyond my expertise. Is he a good plumber? (laughs) I don't know, he's got the wrench. What God is offering us, firstly, as Christians are already born again, is a revelation that we're at our limit, that there, we can't go any further, we're at our limit, but if we begin to hunger for something beyond what we experienced, it can start to open a door, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. But you have to believe that there's more. But believing there's more is a kind of a humiliating thing. When, when Jesus came to the Pharisees and says, says, you know, I came to heal the blind, he said, we were, not, we're not blind. He's saying, listen, I'm coming to give you Medicine to, to heal you we're not sick and that's therein is the evidence of the constraint and the whole church the whole body of Christ is under some kind of limitation that's not forced on us by God but our warfare is to break out of it what more is possible yeah. and and God is looking God is saying okay you know He's looking across the room right now, saying, Oh yeah, well, you know, they're open. But what price do you want to pay for it? How much do you believe? Well therein is the question. And I don't want to apply the answer necessarily, but God is looking for people who are hungry. Let me say one more thing here. But even in that, I was no. I'm not going to talk about that. It's too long, too long, <laughs> too long. But m- more freedom might be inconceivable, but it's still available. It's still available. So I'm praying today. Oh, there's so many things that God can do. But here's one of the things I want you to see as you as you're reading the scripture from here on. I want you to see that the ministry of Jesus was to tear down before he built up. He tore down presumptions, assumptions, illusions, things that made people feel secure in their present reality. He poked at and he broke down. He undermined. Good master, what makes you think you could use that word? Thanks for that, Jesus. <laughs> because that is not our conception of how Jesus works, but it's exactly how he works. And so if you think I'm annoying, imagine Jesus. (laughs) But yeah, but he's probably gentler, probably. (laughs) Probably gentler. But he doesn't give up, he doesn't stop. I mean, uh, the protocols of the kingdom of heaven don't let you beyond the sphere of your, your faith. And it's locked down tight, but it's available. Father, I pray today. Let's, let's stand up together. I pray today for a spirit of revelation. Oh, God. Now, I, I talk about these things a lot. And people wonder, why, do, why are you never satisfied? And I say, it's not that I'm not satisfied. I just, I just am jealous that you would taste the fullness of the destiny that you were ordained into. I mean, the price that Jesus paid for you to participate in this heavenly kingdom is far too precious to waste. And I would never want to trade the possibility of more for the loss of a present comfort or the insecurity of discovering that there might be more and maybe the foundations of my faith right now might be lacking. That's an easy price to be willing to pay. Father, give us eyes to see. Give us the eyes of faith, God. Help us to reach beyond lord create an appetite here in this room in us god we want to run hard we want to run hard lord we want to run hard and god we want to break through there's a spirit in the air that camps over you that pokes at your insecurities and tries to create a limit no there you're fine you're doing great there's there's nothing more god loves you just as you are And to you that's meaning i don't need to change He loves you just as you are, but he means to bring you higher. And I wish I knew what we could do to bring us to that next, that next revelation. God, expedite it for us. But I see an army. I see a people. I see ones like the Son of God that catch the eye of creation itself when they begin to emerge into their fullness. It's like, it's like seeing somebody when they're a kid and then all of a sudden you see them as full grown men. You're like, wow. Wow, the, look at the transformation. There is more in your future, and the things that seem to be like heavy weights to you right now will be like flies around your head in years to come. Shoe fly. The harassments of demonic powers and sorcery and depression and those things that cause you to fear and withdraw from relationships they're going when you come into what you're called to you will break the power break the backs of principalities the church of the future will be boundless in its freedom this is your destiny this is your inheritance don't let it go fight for it fight for it you will prevail there is a line that we call mediocrity where we've settled into the community of the church and and we don't stand out like a sore thumb anymore and our life is relatively good and that That may be enough. That may be enough for a normal person. But it's not enough when you've called to be kings. When you've been called to be a peculiar people. When you've been called to be people who are nation changers. Who are called to step into rooms and dictate the atmosphere of that room. It's not enough. To be insulated against the atmosphere of that room. You're called to be an atmosphere changer. You carry the treasure of the power of the glory of God inside of your being. Let it out. Let it out, God. You know, I can't speak for others in the church today. But when I'm up here and I'm ministering here and I'm preaching here, when I say that I feel something in the atmosphere, I'm not imagining, I'm not pretending, I'm not playing a game. We're not putting on a performance to get a response from you. We're trying to introduce you to an an activity and a realm, a reality that is beyond... What we have ever seen. And we need to start today. You need to start today. If there's ever a time where I said I feel something. Where your instant response is. Oh that's just Mark. That's just that prophetic illusionary thing. It's some phantom. Has no relevance to reality. Give up. Give up that thought. Give up. Begin to embrace the possibility that people in this room see infinitely more than you. And that admitting that, unlike the Pharisees, is the first step into it. The Pharisees said, no, we're not blind. We see quite clearly. Thank you. This is the offer that's being made all the time. I want to see seers. I want to see evangelists. I want to see prophets come out of this body who walk in amazing things that the earth has never seen. It can happen here. So, Father, we say we want more. We lay our lives, our hearts. We say, God, expand us change us, show us where we can repent, where we've made judgments that have become our own ceiling that have locked us down, that have stolen from us. God we want to enter in by faith in Jesus name. So we're going to jump offline right now but we're going to linger here for a bit. Feel free to press in But let's make a determination today that anything that can be had by any generation, I want it.